0: Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Weekend Review podcast. I'm your host, Glossy senior fashion reporter, Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm so good. How are you?
0: I'm very good. Um, we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about today, starting with Tom Ford stepping down from his role at the CFDA, where he was chairman for three years, I think. Um, we're going to talk about Gucci's Cosmogony show. And finally, we will talk about Nike's collaboration with Jacques Mousse. Let's start with the biggest one, which was on Monday during the the glossy e commerce forum. Actually, we found out about this that Tom Ford had stepped down from his role as chairman of the CFDA, which of course is the Council of Fashion Designers of America. If you didn't know, um, which he has held that position since twenty nineteen. So I, I kind of thought that this was longer, and I, in researching this, I was surprised it was only he was only in that role for like, barely a year or less than a year before the pandemic started. So most of his tenure has been in, like, the pandemic times. But he oversaw the CFDA through the pandemic, um, uh, including the creation of the A Common Thread project with Vogue, which was, like, giving support to a lot of, like, struggling fashion people in the industry and stuff. So, like, he he has been there through some pretty pivotal times, and it definitely feels like kind of an end of an era uh, for him to be leaving. Um, Joe, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, well, what I didn't know, because I was like, oh, what does that say about the industry or the, I guess, the CFDA's authority or why would he not want to be a part of it? What I didn't know is that apparently this is, he went in um, with the idea that he was going to be hold this role for two years. Um, that was the idea. And he extended it another year. So he was actually there longer than the original plan and that it's typical for this, chair position to be there for two to four years. So it wasn't so wild, I guess. What was Mm -hmm. the exception was that DVF, Diane von Furstenberg, who held it before him, um, was there for 13, 14 years, um, Mm. an extended period. Um, yeah and also he was thrown the a little bit longer uh, he was thrown into the mix i feel like what he maybe had intended to do in this role um obviously like everything else the pandemic flipped it on its head he originally won it um he he wanted to drive the fashion industry's i guess reputation among the global fashion community um, have it be recognized for its talent its importance and really like like you said with the common thread it became more about um really sort keeping these designers and their companies afloat, really supporting them, um, let alone, yeah, amplifying them across the globe. Let's just keep them going.
0: Yeah, that's, that's such a good point. The, the initial plan was to, um, like elevate American fashion in the, in the global standing. And then it became like, just keep American fashion like alive. Um, and, and that's something I was thinking about with, who? When I was thinking like, well, who could even like take his position? Because like a lot of the the names I that immediately come to mind as like, and, and part of the reason I think he uh, was such a good chair was because he's like kind of an old school sort of designer. Like he's very traditional, like kind of luxury fashion. And I was thinking about like the names that were coming to mind for me. I was like, oh wait, no, that person's British, or like, no, that person's French. Like, it needs to be like an American designer. I assume, right? It's the Council of Fashion Designers of America. Um, who, who even comes to mind? I mean, there are lots of great American designers. I'm not saying like there's no good designers, but like, who is a good designer and would be good for that role? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Does it? Who, who comes to mind for you, Joel? Well, anyone? a
1: couple. And uh, somebody originally came to mind. Obviously, that's been very influential in the last two years. But it would be a totally different. Um, mindset, fresh approach. And maybe that's a good thing. I I immediately thought of Aurora James. Like, I mean, she's younger. Yes, yeah. She's less experienced, but it is what it is. And um, Tom Ford, he's going to remain on the board of the CFDA, um, mm-hmm. which I was looking at about the others that are currently on the board. Aurora James is on the board. So anyway, kind of interchanging those roles. Yep. Tory Birch, Tom, Tom Brown, Vera Wang, uh, Tracy Brown, Reese. Yeah. Tom Brown is, I mean, that would be hella cool. (laughs) Yeah. He's still like relevant and has the respect and has been around for a while. So anyway,
0: yeah. yeah, A couple of names. No, but those, those are, those are good picks. I I had totally forgotten about Aurora James and, um, it, something else that's interesting to me is that they didn't, they didn't have anybody lined up as far as I know. Like I think Stephen Cobb is, is like taking over as interim chair and he's, um, has been CEO for like years. And he's uh, the times that I've talked to the CFDA, it's usually like, he's kind of the guy that they, who does press stuff and everything. Um, And so he's kind of like filling in that role temporarily. But I, you'd think if, if Tom Ford's plan always was to kind of just hold it for a couple of years and step down, um, you'd think maybe they'd have somebody lined up and maybe they'll announce somebody super soon. I don't know. But um, yeah, when they do, I think that that will be very interesting to see who they pick.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um and like we were talking about with a common thread, it's some of the some impactful moves that he made. Um I think <laughs> maybe more so impactful for Amazon, but like part of that common thread was that Vogue CFDA Amazon partnership that was selling their these emerging designers' um, designs on, on Amazon, like the um, Bat Shevas of the world, um, Derek Lamb, um, even Takoon started selling on Amazon through this program, which is interesting. And um, Tom Ford's also credited with the kind of downsizing, scaling back the Fashion Week calendar, starting that American Collections calendar that really um, got rid of some of the confusion around the, the dueling calendars for you years um so that's interesting I don't know like again like uh scaling back some I, I heard I read somebody really like saying like that was what he did to take out the grueling the grueling schedule I mean I think fewer designers are showing at fashion week and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is what it is Including-
0: I don't, mm- including Tom Ford, right? Didn't he, like, not even show himself at the... I forget if that was February or September, but he's, like... I remember thinking that it's, like, maybe not the best show of confidence in the organization that he's the chairman of to not even show at their own event after having done so, like, very regularly for for years. That's a good Um, point. So I (laughs) forgot about that. Um, But I... I, And we'll talk about this more in September when, when the next, like, official New York Fashion Week comes around, but, like, I feel like every... Uh, season, you and I talk about like the calendar kind of fragmenting and spreading out and stuff, you know, moving all over the place. And and like we just said, including Tom Ford himself, not even showing. Um, so whoever they pick next, I'd be interested to see their sort of position on New York Fashion Week. Like, will will this person, whoever it is, like, Do a big like uh jamboree like sell like presentation at New York Fashion Week to try and like you know really push it, or will they continue sort of his thing of like kind of de-emphasizing it a little bit? So who knows?
1: Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and also like the person, this this role, um, how they play into Fashion Week and the orchestration of it all, because they the the word on the street is they're going to define the new who the new the replacement is in. Fall the permanent okay. spot after Stephen Kolb, and that they'll be in place um, in early in January of next year. So January. So what happens? Yeah, September. Stephen Colb's got this. <laughs> he no yeah, doubt. Yeah, but- we might
0: we, we might have just the interim chair um, by next September. But um, yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on it. I'm sure there will be more weekend review segments on on this on that position going forward. But let's move on and talk about Gucci who had their cruise show this week um, which was called Cosmogony um, which we were just debating the pronunciation and spelling of before the recording started. Um, Gucci spells it a little differently but it just it's a word that means a, a model for the creation of the universe and um, the show was very like celestial themed you know there was a lot of stars and the night sky and constellations and stuff were not so much actually in the clothes themselves but more like in the the presentation and um and this is one of the reasons I love Alessandro Michele is like just like very unashamed like pretentiousness for lack of a better word which like I really like the the show is explicitly it's like inspired by the works of um Walter Benjamin who's like a German philosopher and Hannah Arendt um also a German like writer and and thinker and I just like love that I like it maybe it's tacky maybe people think it's pretentious I think it's cool to like just be very openly like erudite with these 20 you know these like 20th century like philosophical influences and stuff i think that's cool i think there should be more of that in in fashion like no don't be ashamed of like you know pulling from obscure uh sources of inspiration and stuff i think that's great Cap-
1: fashion with a capital f like let's let's do it up <laughs> like for sure yeah and also the location like i mean it's, it's it's extravagant it's fabulous it's in a castle and it's um yeah in puglia Yes. And, and during, like, a lunar eclipse, like, this is a statement. Like, I, I would have liked to be there.
0: Yeah. Literally coordinating with, like, a celestial event is, like, extremely Gucci. And and it's not just, like, an empty, you know, it's not just, like, superficial because I think the idea of, like, constellations and, like, connections between these different points of light is uh, very relevant to, like, how a lot of mod- modern fashion is done. It's very... Uh, we've talked about this with like Virgil, like being very open about taking inspiration from lots of different sources and and um, like synthesizing something really interesting and new from like just bringing together, like who would think to combine like cosmic kind of imagery and like Hannah Arendt like writings and thoughts to, into like a fashion show. Like that's, it's sort of a wacky combination of things, but that's how you get, Cool stuff. is like just yeah. pulling from lots of different sources.
1: Keep everyone inspired for sure. And it's um, this was kind of a destination. This was not in like Milan or like an expected place. And and we all know um Gucci, another fun, impactful, I think more impactful show that um in November was the Love Parade. Um, show in Hollywood or in LA. Um, so I think, yeah, just changing it up, going, we've talked about with, um, I think, Bottega going to Detroit at that one time, um, just going where where the inspiration takes you. Um, and that was definitely a theme throughout this whole kind of cruise season. We saw Chanel going to Monte Carlo earlier this month. Um, we saw just now, like Louis Vuitton, or I think it was last week on thursday um going to san diego at the is it pronounced salk institute salk yes i think so so it's very architectural sunlit mm-hmm. um there is some debate in the industry still about like are is this wasteful you said it's extravagant mm-hmm. it's fabulous but like to get all the industry there and fly people here and there like is this out are we still doing this
0: yeah well, something I, I loved about it, and actually, I'm going to take a, a quick detour, and I promise this is coming back to Gucci, but uh, on Monday at the, the Glossy e-commerce forum that we mentioned earlier, um, Takoon was there, who's great. He's he's always so smart. He speaks at our events a lot. Um, but he was talking about how he does not really pay attention to like the data too much, Um that his his team collects. Like, obviously he's got people like, you know, looking at what styles performed well and like all this stuff. But he was like, I don't look at that. Like, I just go by like feeling. And he was talking about how there's like an instinctual part of fashion of like, you know, something that's unquantifiable about like the perfect piece of clothing when you put it on and stuff. But he, so he designs and, and plans and conceptualizes without looking at like the numbers and the the data and stuff. And then he's got people who sort of like, temper that with data if he's like, you know, if there's a reason to. Um, And I was thinking about how so much in the world is like very data-driven and algorithm-driven. Like there's a lot going on with Netflix right now, like kind of not doing so well. And I think for me, Netflix is so like feels like it was – a lot of their shows feel like it was created in a lab. Like there's no – it's purely just based on like numbers and what's performing well and stuff. And I really appreciate somebody – now we're back to gucci somebody like alessandro michele who's clearly like a mad genius who like um chooses these he does a lot of things clearly not because like some nerd with a spreadsheet was like we need to like Uh we need to do something on a lunar eclipse in a castle (laughs) in Puglia because the data says that's no that's clearly just like a product of his like insane brain and i appreciate that 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 exists, and and that's one thing, you know, there's a lot of not nice things to say about the fashion industry, but I think that's something that's great and that there's room for, like, these crazy artistic minds to, like, do big spectacular stuff, kind of, whether it's what the data says they should do or not, you know?
1: For sure. And there's, like, the he's got caring behind it. I'm sure they're going to, like, reel him in if needed, <laughs> which right of now course, he's, like, yeah. the golden boy, you know? I don't think that that's going to happen. Kind of let him do, yeah. his, his, do his thing. Um,
0: and, so- and it works because he's he's got, like, this intense vision that's not based on, like, sort of, you know, boring algorithmic stuff, but it also does resonate and it is successful. And I think that if you tried to make Alessandro Michele, like, you know, just design based on what the numbers say, it would be not, it would be soulless and, and, you know, it wouldn't be what people like about him. And again, this is what Takoon said as well. Like, you know, he was talking about selling at like Saks or something and you sell a collection with them and then it sells really well. And they're like, great, make that exact thing again and then make it again next season and make it again next season because it sells. And he's like, well, what if I don't want to do that anymore? But you kind of get stuck in that sort of loop. And I think it's, you know, if you're a fashion brand, it's easy to even do that to yourself, whether it's Saks doing it to you or, or you just being a slave to your own kind of data and stuff. So you're I don't so know, right. just a thought I've been thinking about ever since Takoon talked about that.
1: Yeah, we've heard that time and time again. I think it was, it was Tibby, Amy Smilovek, who's Smilevik, mm-hmm. who's our fr- friend of Glossy's, but um, yep. saying something to the effect of, of when self-portrait those lace dresses a couple of years back, that yes. was it. And that they, everybody wanted every brand to make those damn lace dresses. And she's like, mm-hmm. what am I doing here? That's not even my jam. Anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. So anyway, the point is the, the Gucci show was very cool. And, um, oh, and, you know, something else I was going to mention. All the usual, like, Gucci faces were there. Jared Leto, who is, like, uh, Michele's kind of, like, little twin guy. <laughs> <They> always <laughs> like they look so similar to me. Um, uh, Dakota Johnson, like, uh, a lot of like familiar Gucci kind of like faces were were there on the sh- on the runway mm-hmm. or in the audience and stuff. So
1: Elle Fanning and God Dakota Jan- Fanning Dakota Johnson's always wearing the mm-hmm. always wearing her Gucci. Anyway, that is a good friend. She to was gucci out. Alessandro.
0: <laughs> she was Gucci'd out at the Met Gala, I think, or was she at the Met Gala? Or oh yes, some other event. it was
1: like a um. She
0: was silver
1: out. glistening. I guess, I guess jumpsuit, mm-hmm. but it was like skin tight. It was sexy.
0: Yeah. Extremely. Um, cool. Okay. Last thing, let's talk about Nike and Jacques Mousse. Um, so on Monday, uh, Nike and Jacques Mousse announced a big partnership of, I think women specifically, um, footwear, uh, that's inspired by, um, like nineties Nike campaign and campaigns and imagery, like that sort of like classic, um, like early Jordans and stuff kind of, um, vibe. Although specifically the, the designer of Jacquemus, Simon Porte-Jacques Jacquemus said that it's specifically inspired by Nike's ACG line, the all climate gear, which is kind of their more outdoorsy sort of stuff. Um, and anyway, so the point is this is, it's kind of like a similar, uh, high, low partnership. We've seen like sort of a luxury, more fashion-y kind of brand working with the more mainstream brand. I think the interesting thing is, the power dynamics are a little different because even though Jacques Jacquemus is a little more upscale it's also like much newer and smaller whereas Nike is like this humongous like you know the most juggernaut of juggernaut fashion companies so um it's interesting what what did you think Joe
1: agree and i from what i know it's um it does include shoes it's um there's an interpretation of this humara i'm butchering everything but um shoe that he loves that's very it looks to me like very granola almost need we're hiking um but really interesting um but also sh- uh ready-to-wear or sportswear, uh, activewear, clo- uh, some clothing as well. Um, but you're so right. If any brand, if Nike wants to tap a brand that's resonating with the fashion community, like we've all seen the damn Jacques Mousse, I guess, cardigan that's like hanging on by a thread with that little, that tiny little button between between the the bosoms, we'll say. Um, but <laughs> I think that, um, I think so impactful. Everybody's wants to wear everything he does. So I think it's a good call, and we've seen the success with the Stella McCartney's of Adidas that's been around forever. um, And Nike has collaborated with Comme des Garçons, and um, I don't know. It's it's not a new strategy, I would say, and and it just seems hot right now.
0: It does seem like Nike is um, putting a little more effort into this one. Not effort, but they they do a lot of collaborations with people all the time, and and some of them kind of like get released without much fanfare there's not really much in it it's like one thing or something they put out like new sneakers all the time and so there's all sorts of little collaborations that they do but this one um I th- so it starts in June and I think it's going to run through the summer so there, there's going to be multiple kind of levels to it and um purely just from like my observation it seems like there's a lot more like Nike kind of press stuff about it like Just from from a reporter's perspective, like more emails, more like, you know, a big fancy blog post about it, like on their site and stuff just seems like they're hyping it up a little more than than some stuff that they do. Uh, And I think you're right. It's because Jacques Mousse is, you know, it's a new brand and he's a relatively young designer, but um, very buzzy and, and very popular.
1: Speaking of, um, I guess, the approach or buzz or marketing, how they're approaching it, it it was interesting, and maybe it it was a strategy to build hype because it was in the works for four years, which I don't really know what that's about, but it was supposed to launch in 2020 is the word on the street, Um, but I guess in one of the um, campaigns for Jacques Moose, he paired the clothes with some Nikes, and so there started to be some buzz like, are they going to create Nikes together? Is this collaboration happening? Um, I have no doubt that was strategic and I think that that's interesting. I think that was smart.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, uh, to the point you were saying about it being kind of granola, like hiking kind of look, um, Nike's ACG line has always, it's very like Patagonia-y to me. Like, uh, and I have felt, I remember like This was maybe two years ago, Nike. uh, Someone at Nike was telling me that they were – no, you know what? It wasn't at Nike. It was at one of the sneaker resellers was telling me that, like, their ACG stuff from Nike has been, like, kind of slowly but steadily, like, growing in popularity. And I think Nike's putting a little more um, similar to, you know, the Jockbus thing, like, a little more effort into it. And I have felt like the streetwear, like, sneaker kind of world was, like, just on the verge of, like – having a little, like, hiking, outdoorsy kind of, like, moment um, for, like, a year now. And I'm, I'm not sure it's quite, like, taken over, but I feel like it's there. Like, Patagonia and, like, that sort of mountainy, outdoorsy camping, like, patterns and stuff. What What's the term for, like, that's that sort of, like, funky, like, Andean kind of pow- um, pattern that Patagonia has on some of their jackets or, like... Nike's like 80s like ACG stuff with like real performance like you know 80s colors straps and stuff like I don't know I just think there's a, a there's something going on there with like streetwear and kind of like hiking outdoorsy kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think you see some elements of it in like even um Yeezy clothes like it's very like uh Mm -hmm. almost like I don't know if industrial I whatever it is but um I feel like there's a battle here obviously Nike and Adidas are always at war but um Adidas has been ramping up their fashion partnerships Prada Mm -hmm. has that re-nylon partnership at the beginning of the year um Gucci um has a partnership with Adidas now um more Mm -hmm. details came out very recently um so we'll see how Far they go. Speaking of leading with data or not leading with da- data, would love to know how these partnerships are doing. Um, which they must be doing very well. Like like we said, Stella McCartney's held on for a while.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and it is interesting that um like like you're saying, the Nike and Adidas are are definitely competing with each other on these like fashion forward kind of partnerships. But we're also at this point now, we're several years into you know, a streetwear or athletic brand and a luxury brand working together is, like, not that new anymore. And so I think early on, a lot of those collaborations were were almost, like, strengthened mostly by novelty. Like, the, the Louis Vuitton-Supreme um, collaboration from a couple of years ago, I think for most people, it was just, like, whoa, they got Supreme, t- or, like, Supreme got Louis Vuitton to collaborate with them. So, you know, it was kind exactly. of just, like, oh, interesting. Uh, but now it's, like, okay, it's not... Novel anymore, so it needs to actually just be like a strong collaboration. Strong brand. Um, Even
1: Lululemon is doing it with with fashion designers now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, you're right.
0: And North Face has done stuff with Gucci. I think uh, as of like a year or two ago, they were they started doing some collaborations. So there's definitely like a lot more high low stuff happening. Um, I do, I do wonder if any of them will be a little more like have a little more longevity and turn into like a regular collaboration rather than just a one-off thing like we said this the Jacquemus Nike thing sounds like it's it's footwear it's some ready to wear it's more than just like a single sneaker it's it's like a full um like capsule collection i guess you'd call it um but i wonder like if it does well are they going to do another Moose collection like next year or something or will that continue the way that nike kind of had that running thing with virgil with off-white um uh a couple years ago the 10 he did which ended up being more than 10 sneakers i think it was like in the teens um but that was planned from the beginning this was going to be a regular ongoing collaboration
1: uh-huh. adidas yeezy yes right yeah hey, hey. adidas
0: yeezy and and well we talked a lot about Yeezy Gap, but that one was planned from the beginning as 10 years. So that's like, I I think these sort of like long-term collaborations might become more common too, of just from the get-go being like, this is not a one-off thing. This is like an ongoing, like almost like a joint venture.
1: Yep. The data will tell. I'm sorry I said that. (laughs)
0: Like if it sells, I'm sure they'll keep going. (laughs) They'll keep going. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I think that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much, Jill. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, For those of you listening, if you have not given us a rating and a review, please do so if you could be so kind. It really helps us a lot, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. And uh, if you have not subscribed to the Glossy Podcast, you should do so because not only will you hear me and Jill speaking every Friday, but also every Wednesday, Jill has a guest on from somewhere in the industry and has a very enlightening conversation. Um, Jill, who's your next guest do you do you know yet
1: i do know a uh, jewelry designer uh worked at lily pulitzer went off and did her own thing jane winchester paradise she's behind jane win jewelry and really like seeing a boom during the pandemic which is very rare so she's trying to build off all of that right now and, and expanding and growing and check it out
0: very cool well hit the old subscribe button and you can hear that and you can hear me and jill every friday and as always thank you for listening